In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, Arizona, talks with pastors and leaders as they share their testimonials about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome to those of you who've tuned in on Monday afternoon. We're glad to have you with us on The Kingdom and Its Stories. And um, as you heard, our task in in this program is to interview pastors and church leaders to learn how they are equipping their people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And with me um, in this program is Pastor Julian Gibb, who uh, I've known for the last seven years. We've been members of the same church, and uh, and he's with me as a co-host in this program. Today, uh, Julian and I are interviewing a friend of mine who is Pastor Simon Zermakenga, some people call him Bishop, um, and and that's because he is, in fact, in charge of uh, 14 different churches in the country of Rwanda. And um, I met Simon back in 1965. We were both young and skinny, and um, I, I met him um, as I was traveling through Africa on a motorcycle. Simon, do you remember that? Sure. Very well, Bob. I remember that clearly. <laughs> yeah. And is it, yeah. True that, is it true that we were both skinny then? We were, st- we were, we were small, skinny, more handsome, and uh, still young. Yeah. And still young. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm still young. <laughs> but I meant that time. We are young. Okay. All I'm, right. You, you are young, Bob. I'm still young. Okay, very good. Okay. Yeah. um, You were in Uganda, and you had come there um, because of the persecution against your tribe in your home country of Rwanda. And and then I met you just before before the genocide happened, but after the genocide happened, and many of your relatives were killed. How many of your relatives died during the genocide? 25 altogether, and Kedris, my late wife, lost 87. 87 relatives. Yes. And you lost how many? 25. 25 Two, family five. members. Yeah. Yeah. And so it seems to me that the natural response was, I would never want to go back there. Mm. But God exactly. said something to you. What What did God say to you during, after that period of genocide? You know, uh, after the war ended, I went to Rwanda to see if there was any survivor of my relative. I found a few, 
And uh, after seeing what's happening, he came back. But the Lord was saying, hey, Simon, you go back to those people. Go and minister to them. That's why I want you to go and minister to those people who have killed your relatives, who have killed your friends. And I said, God, you must be joking. How can I go back to these people? But it's like when Isaiah, in the chapter 6, verse 8, you know, the word of God says, who shall I send? Who will I go? Who will go for us? And then he said, here I am, O Lord, send me. That's what I said. But it, it was only obedience to go because God wanted me to go. But I, I personally, as a person, I didn't want to go. But God says, go. And where are you now? Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, Bob, this guy who went to India long, long time ago, known as William Curry. Yes. You know, I, I quote, he says, God will never send you where his grace, God's will will not send you where his grace will not keep you. Am I correct? God yeah, right. will send you if you obey. And ours is to obey what God wants us to do. And God's care is going to come if we only we obey. And so I am in Rwanda. That's where thirty-six years now. And and th how many years? Thirty-six years. Twenty. Twenty-six so, now. Twenty-six years. Okay. And yes, I know you're there because I can hear the rooster crow in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so I know yeah. you're there. Right. What, what yes. are you what What are you doing there, Simon? With the chicks? No, no. Well, yes, with the chicks, but also, <laughs> what, what are you <laughs> What are you doing what in Rwanda? What am I doing? Oh, in Rwanda, after I I said after I accepted the challenge of coming back home, in the beginning, God called me go and minister to these people who. Who killed your relatives? And I said, yes. So during the past 26 years, many things happened. But the first one was he wanted us to minister to the, to the orphans. And uh, the first year we had several orphans, maybe around five, 600 of them. And I would go back to Nairobi, bring food, and I give to some pastors to feed those kids. We did that for several months. Then I said, hey, I don't think God's calling me to do the feeding of these kids only. But I think he's calling me to minister to them as well. So we did feed the hungry, those kids which, who are orphans by then. Then later, the Lord was telling us, hey, you better also do some kind of school for these kids kids there was no school at that time so we created Kedris and I the road impressions on studies and ever since we started kids that went through our school um, HIV um, survivors but we praise the Lord because we obeyed to minister to those kids
That's one thing. The seed goes, is going on. But we also planted churches. The Lord impressed on us to plant churches. I knew how to win people, help them grow in grace, usher them in the church. But this time the Lord said, hey, you are going to be in charge of the church. So we, my team and I, started a church, and then the church grew, grew. Actually, they grew to be so many. Uh, only the other day, they were reduced because we are not meeting the qualification, the standard of building that the government wanted. So we, we only have 14 now remaining, but the rest, they are shut, they are closed. So we are in the church planting, we are also in the school, but we are also in a reconciliation. Reconciliation was first to point people to God, that he ministering to them holistically. And then the second was to, to, to preach the two tribes, the Hutus and Tutsis. And believe it or not, you know, it's amazing how these two tribes, after all these problems, they have united. They live together. They work together. They fellowship together. So, uh, so I have been in the ministry of reconciliation, rebuilding of our nation, healing, reconstruction, and uh, as much as we do to help rebuild our nation, to bring it to where it is today. <laughs> things we are doing as a church. But I'm also... I have yes. a question for you. Yeah. Okay, so you talk about reconciliation. Is reconciliation yes. accomplished just by talking or does it include a demonstration of love? Exactly, but we cannot, you cannot uh, talk about reconciliation without demonstration of God's love. If you love me, what does that mean? If you love me, you have to demonstrate in a way that I can see it. You say you love me, you are not going to revenge. Are you sure? Yeah, we said, no, I love you. I cannot revenge even though you killed my relatives. Let's work together. And there are many projects. These two tribes they work together. And uh, you couldn't believe that they, they, these two tribes came to work like uh, if there is a project, if it is working on the road, they come together, they work together. And uh, if it is building houses if for the widows, if it is uh, anything we do for these guys, they say, hey, these guys are serious. They are not tricking us to kill us, but they really, they show that they care for us. So you cannot preach reconciliation without demonstrating the love or the reconciliation in a, in a practical way. Can you give us some examples of how uh, the Christians have demonstrated God's love, how they've been the hands and feet of Jesus? Yes. You know, you know we're talking about 26 years now. And um, there was a lady by the name Helen, the namesake of my mother, you know, people killed her husband. When they killed her husband, 
And this, the man who killed the husband, there were many. When, she came, when he came to know Christ, he says, you know, this is not enough. I better go talk to Helen about how I feel. He went all the way from Rwanda to Burundi to look for Helen in the refugee camp. She, he got her, and the people were scared because they knew this is the guy who killed her husband. Now, the Helen said, hey, what brings you here? He says, I, I know, you know, I'm the one who killed your husband, but I'm here, I'm asking for forgiveness. And if you want to do anything, I'm here for restitution. If you want to kill me, kill me. If you forgive me, forgive me. If you don't, whatever you do with me, I'm here. You know, it was a long story, but to make it short, Helen brought many friends, and he says, here is a man who has truly repented. And he says, you know what? Come, come here. He, she hugged this guy. He really hugged, she, she really hugged him. We wow. couldn't believe. Even after the genocide, when we came back, we saw this. So how can you hug the person who has killed your husband? That is really a demonstration of God's love. And anyway, this man is born again. Helen is an old woman, almost in the late 90s. She's still alive. But that's one thing that we saw with our own eyes. Then there was another, the man uh, whose children and uh, wife were killed. He's a pastor, Aaron Mugemira, Presbyterian Church Bab in Rwanda. His wife was killed, and his seven children were killed in front of him. Mm. And he managed to escape. He, he kind of ran, and but all these kids have been killed before, before, before his own eyes. So these people eventually were arrested, but uh, they asked him, what do you think? He says, you guys, I thought we are brothers and sisters in Christ. God has called us to serve him, but I don't understand how you could dare to do this kind of thing. You know, from my bottom of my heart, as a human being, I wouldn't. But because God has has come, Christ has come into my life, and I know what you did. I want to forgive you, yeah. and uh, they work together. They are still working together <laughs> in the same church. Can you Simon, imagine that kind of reconciliation? Simon, tell tell me because. Um... You were speaking of Helen, whose whose husband was murdered, and uh, she forgave the murderer. And uh, your wife has the eighty of her relatives murdered, and you had uh, many of your relatives murdered. What gives you the power? How how do you forgive? How did you forgive such atrocities? And uh, I, I, what was the power to do that? Thank you. Thank you. 
the power to do that is none other than the love of Christ in me. None other than Christ who lives in me. You, to, from the human point of view, Julia, I wouldn't have forgiven. I wouldn't have forgiven those guys. But you know what? Even when Christ was at the cross, when these guys killed him, he had the guts to say, "Father, forgive him." And sometimes I wonder, you know, Jesus says, Father, forgive him, for they don't know what they are doing. And sometimes we say, hey, this is not easy. Are you on? Hello? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. So I could say with Christ, Father, forgive them, because they didn't know what they are doing, or even if they knew what they are doing. Because you being in me, because of giving me new life, because of reconciling yourself to me as well, and he made me a new person, he has given him the power to forgive those guys. There is wow. nothing, there is no one else who can do that. From the human point of view, it's impossible. Well, that, that, that's, that's something that, for people in our culture, is difficult to understand that level of forgiveness. And I would say more than being the hands and feet of Jesus, what you've just talked about is being the heart of Jesus. Exactly. Allowing the heart of Jesus who loves us and who gave himself for us in spite of our disobedience. He loved us, not only forgave us, but he loved us. And I know from some of the stories that you've told of practical ways in which the people that you and your pastors are pastoring, that you are training them to not only have the heart of Jesus, but to have the hands and feet. What are some of the examples of of the service activities through the hands of the members in your church are doing. Can you give us a couple of examples of that? Uh, you know, today, the world is preaching the gospel. People have had Christ preached from the pulpit. We have had that for the past 100 years here in Rwanda, in Africa. Probably more, America more, many, many, many years, more than that. But today, the, the church, the body of Christ, even during this coronavirus, COVID-19, that uh, Preaching Christ without demonstration of God's love does not make sense these days. Show me the action. Show me that you love me in action. Then you tell me that Christ saves, I will listen. That's what it is today. So my team 
I said, you guys, you better demonstrate God's love. So we have taught them many city projects, demonstration of God's love, to visit their neighbors, to minister to them, to share what, whatever we have, we share with them. So as much as you can share, teach people how to do certain small projects, like working together in a chamber, cultivating together, growing food crops, giving to the needy, encourage them. Once you do those, people will know that you love them. Even preaching is going to be easy. So most of my pastors, I say, hey, today you better go and visit your neighbor. I say, hey, guy, you know what? I care for you. Don't even start talking about Christ. Visit them. And I go to the, to the neighborhood and say, you know what? We are just here to visit with you. And uh, do you mind for one kilo of rice, one kilo of uh, sugar, a pint of milk, and that's good for you. And uh, because people are in need, and once they see the churches visiting them, and uh, they care for them, then they know, they understand that these people, the, the Christ they are preaching is the, is the real one, is the real Christ. So my team, I have taught them to do those kind of things. In fact, on Sunday, <laughs> this Sunday, or most of, uh, almost uh, six or seven pastors and their team came over to visit me last Sunday. And it's because I love them, and I have cared for them, and I have told them how they can demonstrate God's love. I showed them how they can be representative of Christ, how they can be his hands and his feet. They know their pastor <laughs> cares for them. So it's more relationship than talking about it. So I'm quite happy that what the church is doing today, actually even this COVID, we don't look at it as a, as a challenge or as a problem. I mean, rather than a challenge and an opportunity to share Christ in a more tangible way. So people, most of the churches know, the members know that the church cares for them, especially this time, because of what we have done physically, tangibly, in demonstrating God's love uh, and showing that Christ cares for them. That is spoke right louder. And even, I know when the church opens, even for their future, it's going to be very easy because what we taught, what we teach, is already being, has been practiced. So people will listen, hey, yeah, what you are telling us, we know, we have seen it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, what message would you give to pastors and Christians, uh, anyone listening in America at this point in time? We have social unrest uh, in the United States. So just continuing from what you just said, what message would you give to us here in the United States? Ask Bob to sing you a song that says, love, 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 love. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Love your neighbor <laughs> as yourself. For God is love. So it's simple. It's not complicated. People complicate things. 
you know, people sometimes come to church because they, are, they want to hear this firing preacher and they are excited and they go back and say, hey, this guy has ministered to us, but they forget about what they had. So churches in America, may God bless them all for the court. Oh, for the calling that God has given to them. Preach Christ as though he's coming any time. Demonstrate God's love to your people and the people beyond even to Africa. Show love to everyone. Minister to the people, to the flock. Pray for us as well. Let's team together to demonstrate God's love in a more tangible way. Even in America, people will hear the message than ever today. Amen. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much. Yes. I would like to encourage those of you who are listening, if you have stories and examples of how you have been the hands and feet of Jesus, let us know. Contact me through contact us, the contact us uh, link on our, on our foundation page, harvestfoundation.org. Thank you so much for joining us Jesus, the during uh, this session me. of Next Stories Monday of the Kingdom. At 30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their community. Today's testimony of God's love not only inspires us, but now we ask God how He wants us to demonstrate His love in a similar way with others in the church towards our neighbors. Also consider sharing the kingdom and its story with others through the media tab at harvestfoundation.org.